You are listening to episode number 41 of the Fit Successful Dad podcast. Welcome, everybody, to episode number 41 of the podcast. Thank you so much for checking it out. My name is Gordon, and today I'm going to talk about audience building and list building. So as most of you know, or some of you know, I am uh, preparing to launch my new brand. It's the one I'm going to be going kind of all in on, and we are looking to... Uh, go to a crowdfunding campaign in September. So it's going to go to a Kickstarter, very likely, and potentially an Indiegogo campaign as well. So I might be running both, probably not uh, at the same time, probably back-to-back if I go into two campaigns at all. Otherwise, uh, we're just looking for a, a launch in September right after Labor Day. That is currently the plan. So, uh, As some of you might also know, I have spent almost a year at this point gathering data, researching, looking at past campaigns, and trying to understand exactly what a great what separates a great campaign in a crowdfunding uh, environment from a a bad campaign, and also you know what like a mediocre campaign, a medium quality or moderate quality campaign, Um, and there's a lot of factors in there. And I've spent a lot of time getting to the point where I'm comfortable saying that I understand how campaigns work, and uh, it's not—it's <laughs> not as simple as as I originally thought. It's probably, and it's not as if you—if you never spent any time looking into that stuff, it's not as simple as you may think. So, um, going into my campaign, I've done a lot of preparation, and I'm still—it's currently uh, May, so I'm still several months out, three months out, and there's a lot of work to do. But uh, one of the main things that I can't stress enough for you, if you're thinking of potentially going into a crowdfunding campaign to validate your product, uh, the the thing I, I cannot stress enough to anybody is all of the work that you spend up front prior to the launch of the campaign uh, will be for nothing if you don't have... I shouldn't say it will be for nothing, but it will probably very likely be for nothing if you don't spend some time building a strong, solid launch list of people, an audience to to launch to. So, uh, you know, for me, I actually have it down pat where I need essentially five, I've I've done all these numbers a bunch of different ways, and uh, I need 561 people to back my project buying the product that I am going to be selling at an early bird price in order to reach my number. So it's really, if you look at it that way, it's not a significant quantity of people. It's not a a huge number of backers that I'm going to need. Um, A lot of campaigns that are successful, they'll have anywhere from uh, you know, it depends on what they're what they're trying to do and the numbers they're trying to hit and the price point of their products and stuff. But uh, they'll need anywhere from uh, about 150 all the way up to around the the target quantity that I need, so about 500 or so. And you know, it really depends on, like I said, the number of capital money that they're trying to raise and uh, the amount that they're charging per uh, per perk, right, for each of their denominations. So. Every campaign is going to have the one, maybe not a one, but like a five, ten, fifteen dollar uh, perk available at the low end, all the way up to the 
you know, thousand, and sometimes, in some cases, five thousand, ten thousand uh, dollar donations will get you know these huge, elaborate perks with a you know maybe a trip somewhere or some kind of um, tour of the factory and dinner with the owners or something like that. Uh, I don't really think I have a perk that is of uh, value at $10,000, but you know, people have uh, different, different wants, I guess. So, uh, anyway, I need 561 backers to buy my product at the early bird pricing for me to hit my campaign capital goal. Now, a lot of times there will be like a two pack, five pack, People will do that a lot as perks. It, do, you know, do yourself a favor if you're interested in this stuff at all. Go on Kickstarter and look at some of the top campaigns, or even some of the maybe it doesn't even have to be a top campaign. But go and look at some campaigns. Look at the different perks available, and look at kind of the general structure that a lot of the more successful ones will have. So they'll have, like I said, some lower level uh, perks. They'll have one, two, five, ten. They'll have like a multi-pack option of the product that they're selling, which will typically be at like a five, ten, fifteen percent discount per item in that pack. So if you're selling a five-pack, you know each of the five products that you're buying will be at a you know some discount. And uh, I'm going to be doing the same thing because not only do I think that the product is awesome and that multiple people in your life will probably benefit from it. Um, but I'm happy to offer it at a discount. So, you know, I think it's, I think it's a good way to get your name out there and to kind of build that initial group of people. And also I, I, I do see the value in that. So, uh, you know, I think it's, I think it's a win-win basically is what I'm saying. And I think a lot of people who have campaigns up there do that because they see it that way as well. So, you know, let's not be, coy about the fact that the whole point of building a brand is ultimately to make some money, right? You want to make money doing the thing you love, which is what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to make money building this brand around this product line that I am passionate about. So, you know, capital is a big part of that. I need to make capital in order to get the brand up and off the ground. And I am comfortable selling my product at an early bird discount in order to get that capital money. And I'm comfortable then raising the price to the the actual price once the campaign is over. And I'm, ca- I'm comfortable doing that because I think the product is worth it. So that's the other thing. I believe in the product and I believe in the brand. So back to building a launch list. The reason a launch list is so important is because when I launch that Kickstarter campaign, I can blast my launch list either in the form of email or in the form of whatever medium I'm using to contact them with a notification that the campaign is now live and that we are now accepting donations and you can go and check out all the perks and look at the production schedule and look at like uh, any new color options, details and stuff that weren't announced ahead of time. But the main thing is driving all that traffic. So the more people you have on your initial launch list, and I'm going to get into how and why those people get on that initial launch list, but the more people you have on that launch list, the more traffic you're going to be able to drive to that campaign on day one, day two, day three of the campaign, which is going to obviously boost the amount of people who are supporting 
in in terms of number, you know, like dollars invested and uh, donations, um, but also it's going to get more eyeballs. And those people, if you build it the right way and you interact with them and engage with these people the right way, you know, because these are fans of your brand, they're early adopters. If you engage with them the right way, they're going to spread the word. So they are going to be your evangelists, basically, and put the word out to their communities and inside their circles and get that name out there. So how do you find the right people who are going to be and be interested in uh, early being an early ambassador or an evangelist or whatever of your brand, you know, an early adopter. So how do you find those people? Well, I, uh, I personally am using Facebook. So Facebook's awesome because they have data on every single person. <laughs> it seems like on the planet just about, uh, but they have data on every single person who has used Facebook. Uh, so they have all the information of like in terms of age and every demographic you can think of hobbies, interests, where they work, who they interact with on their friends list and who they engage with, you know, posts and likes and all that stuff. And because they have that and they have all that algorithmic power behind it, they allow people like me or you or anybody to go in and create an ad campaign and let you really niche down, especially if you're spending a good amount of money, they let you really niche down and identify who exactly will respond to your ad, your product, and that will allow you to really figure out exactly who your customer base is going to be. So for me, I have a product and I you, you can start by, if you've never done a ad campaign, I recommend you go check out, check out like a YouTube video on how to set up an ad campaign. But essentially, a good place to start is using your intuition. Let's say you're selling a pair of headphones, you might be interested in casting a net that captures everyone from ages, I don't know, 14 to 60. And you might want to, since it's headphones and you're, you know, that might, might be talking about music, obviously, uh, like the music uh, as a hobby or an interest or a passion or a career. And also uh, like people who are into radio, people who are into um, like uh, like traveling a lot, people who are into fitness, people who are into like flying, people who are into biking, whatever, all these things where headphones might be of interest to them because they would use them on a daily basis or a regular basis. They would let you target that, that demographic with all those details. And then here's where it really gets good because that part's cool anyway, but you can run an ad against all those people for a week, two weeks, a month, whatever you want. And when the campaign is done, you can pull all the data of who actually responded. So you can see the amount of impressions per age group, which means it showed up on their timeline or whatever, on their uh, their feed. You can see who actually clicked on it, so who engaged with it. You can see that by gender, you can see that by age, you can see that by all of the other things that is talked about, and you can start to target in on a on such a specific, like, detail, like level of detail, where after a few campaigns of doing this and niching down or whatever, honing in a little bit tighter every time, you can get to the point where you know exactly who is responding, 
who is watching the video, if it's a video ad, who's clicking on it, if it's a click ad, who is, uh, you know, engaging with it. And that will basically tell you who your customer base is going to be. So it's never been easier to like within a couple of days or a week or two weeks, figure out exactly like down to the most specific detail who your customer base is going to be for your product. And once you have that, then all you need to do is run ads against that demographic over and over and over again and change up your ads and do multiple campaigns, uh, you know, do some A-B testing with your ads. Don't be afraid to use a lot of ad spend, you know, a lot of dollars on those advertisements to reach more people in that specific group. And don't be afraid to pop up on their feet a lot, which is going to cost you more money, of course. And don't be afraid to spend a lot of money on those keywords, right? So that's, that's the thing. Like you, once you have that specific data, you can run ads against it. And as long as you know what your call to action is going to be, like if you need an email address or you need them to go to a website and you know do something or leave some piece of information, then you can run ads to do that over and over and over again. And that's, that's like one of the main weapons that I'm using in order to do this. Okay. So what's my engagement going to be? You know, what's my call to action? Well, since I'm running a Kickstarter campaign in September, 2017, I am trying to get people to go to my landing page. I want them to check out the product. So the early product shots will be on the website. I also intend on having a video, like a small short teaser video on the website, which I'm also going to be using in the ads as well. One of the variations of the ads and that small teaser video will be kind of a short, very, you know, uh, simple demonstration of the products being used in kind of like a lifestyle setting with like some really kick-ass lighting and, and just like a really good high quality cinematic view of the product. And, uh, those two things, you know, multiple pictures and stuff, those are going to be kind of my, my, my delivery to the person once they go to my landing page. And essentially that page is going, it's going to be very simple. It's going to have all the details of my product that I'm going to be taking to a Kickstarter. And then all I'm going to be asking for is an email address to sign up, to be notified when the Kickstarter is live and a reminder so that I can send basically a reminder to them and a, a link so that they can go and see the Kickstarter campaign when it is live and look at our funding goal and look at where we're at and also hopefully bid and provide some, some capital investment. So, uh, that's it. Very simple landing page. So my call to action, once again, once these people see Facebook ads from me, from my product, it will be to be, uh, driven to my landing page, which will be at our website. Take a look at the product, watch a video if they want to, and, um, just put in their email address so that I can engage with them when the time comes. Um, now the other ways that I'm trying to capture email addresses, because that's kind of going to be one of probably two primary, maybe three, but mostly two primary sources of communication, uh, with the audience leading up to, and probably during, and probably even after the campaign, uh, is going to be email and Instagram. 
Instagram because I've said this before, the product that I'm launching, the brand that I'm launching is very Instagram friendly. So in that vein, one of the things I'm doing to try and raise um, the list quantity, you know, get more people on the list, build the audience a little bit, is to go into the DM route, right? It's a direct message. And I plan on doing that. Actually, I'm already doing it. uh, But I plan on continuing to do it on both the Instagram platform and um, YouTube. So those two channels have a lot of people on it, on them, (laughs) that will be... Uh, that will like this product will cater very well to that to that group to those groups people who hang out on those two platforms. Um, so I've been able to uh, to figure that out basically that you know my customer my future customer base a lot of them hang out like socially and virtually on those two platforms YouTube and Instagram. And I know sometimes it can seem a little daunting and a little stressful and um, a little just weird to like DM people on those two platforms, just random people. Um, But I got to tell you, I've had a ton of positive reception and a lot of responses and it is a lot of work, but it actually does work. That's the thing. It's a lot of work on my end, but it actually yields results. And I think people are just afraid, maybe not afraid is not the right word, but they're, they're skittish uh, about getting into that world and DMing strangers and trying to engage with them to tell them about their new thing, their new product. Well, guess what? Those are people, right? They're not robots, they're people. And when people engage with them, a lot of people like that. A lot of people want to be engaged with so that they can re-engage back. And a lot of times there's a situation where you can help each other. So I DM people every single day, literally seven days a week, and I get responses a lot. And this is, you know, I'm not talking about the Fit Successful Dad podcast here. I'm talking about my future brand. And I am talking about the brand in this DM. I'm talking about what the product is. And I'd be interested in talking more with that person about it. And maybe talking about early adoption, brand ambassadorship, and that that whole kind of thing. You know, being an influencer. And it works. That's the thing. It works. So I'm using that on a daily basis. I've also tried to get involved in the, the world of Reddit and subreddits. And I have to say there's a learning curve to Reddit that I didn't expect and I don't fully understand. It's such a simple platform that I think I might be overthinking it, if that makes any sense. I've gone onto Reddit, I've dove very deep into the subreddits, and I've found some subreddits that seemed to click really well with what I'm doing. And I get on there and just the user engagement isn't what I was expecting it to be. And I think, I don't know, it's weird. I think maybe, maybe I'm going at it all wrong. Like I've gone in there into subreddits, created posts, tried to stir up some activity around the posts, and I just don't get the engagement that I was expecting. But at the same time, I'm seeing that there are, at any given moment, like just tremendous amounts of people using Reddit and diving deep into the subreddits, and they're all over the place. And I mean, with the exception of like the really hot topics that are going on, you know, in the news and stuff like that, because those those threads are always going to be jamming. But uh, even like at the, the lower levels, there seems to be a ton of user engagement. But for some reason... I don't know. Maybe it's me. I'm having a really hard time building that engagement around my thing. So, um, 
you know, I'm, I'm working on that, but that's another avenue. I've heard nothing but good things about Reddit, so I'm certainly not bashing it or anything. I think that's a huge advantage if you can get into Reddit and engage with those people and the people that are using the platform. Um, I'm just, I, I don't know. I just got a little bit more work to, uh, to do there, but that's okay. You know, that's okay. So I'm, I'm working that. My plan is, since I said originally that I need 561 people to back my project at the early bird pricing of the product that I'm selling, I am trying to get an email list of between three and 5,000, right? So if I get, let's just say 5,000, and I'm just gonna round some numbers here, well, 500 is only one-tenth of 5,000, right? So one-tenth of that entire email list, roughly, um, if they went in and bought my product at a early bird discount, right, which would be somewhere around 20% off or something, then that would be enough to fund my entire capital investment. You understand? 560 people. Now, that's not even a lot of people. Now, if I had, let's say, 3,000 people, well, then 500 is, I think, about, it's about one-sixth, okay? So, one-sixth of that list. If they went in, and now this is a very specific targeted list. These are people that I went and found. This isn't just random people, at least not most of them. These are people that I went and found through specific Facebook targeting, and they had to go to my website, check out the content, put their email address in, and opt in to being part of my initial launch list. So these are not strangers. These are people that were are put on this list for a reason. If I can get one-sixth to one-tenth of them, somewhere in there, as long as that list is between 3,000 and 5,000. If I can get one-sixth to one-tenth of them to go to my Kickstarter campaign after it launches and buy my product at an early bird discount, I will reach my capital funding goal. That's it. Sounds simple. Let's see if I can do it. That's the challenge, right? So now there, then again, if I get people jumping in there and buying two or three of them, so <laughs> there's some more strategy tactics here that I'm not talking about. I'm launching in September for a number of reasons. And this is where the Kickstarter research really comes into play. But it also, it makes a lot of sense, not just for my benefit, but for the benefit of the people who will be kind of involved in this from a consumer standpoint. So the product caters very well to the fall time. And it's an all year item. It's not a seasonal item, but it, it kind of caters specifically well to people in the fall time. And I will, it'll make a lot more sense when that when the product line gets announced, but it, so again, it caters really well to the fall timeframe and the winter timeframe. It also makes a, an amazing Christmas gift or, you know, a holiday gift, if you will. So September is basically, that's when people start thinking about that stuff, right? It's back to school, summer's over, vacations are over, people are more, uh, uh, like in the in the mindset of starting to spend money again because the summer typically has um if you're involved in e-commerce at all there's a little bit of a dry spell through the summer and it's, i don't know if it's vacations or what but people just typically don't spend as much money especially online um just in, in like buying products and buying stuff uh, as they do 
pretty much the rest of the year. And fourth quarter is always the best. It's like from an e-commerce standpoint, that's when the most people are shopping. Now that doesn't mean that's where Kickstarters and crowdfunding campaigns will be the most supported. That's certainly not true. Uh, Supporters will support all year round. That's not really a problem. But my particular product might be a little bit more appealing to some people in the fourth quarter. So that's part of the reason. After Labor Day, uh, my campaign will be 30 days. So I don't want any holidays in there that will disrupt people in the way where, you know, like they might, I don't want them to be out of town for a weekend. Like people go away for Labor Day weekend and stuff. I want people to be around enough that on any given day, pretty much through that 30 day window, they can go to the campaign page, they can check it out and they you know, have enough time to read it. They're not distracted by a bunch of things and they'll kind of be in the mindset where they're going to start thinking about like new year's resolution stuff, um, holiday gifts and cold weather coming up. Um, for some reason, fourth quarter seems to spawn that first inkling of people starting to think about like changing, um, their lifestyle a little bit. If they're trying to think, you know, more of a positive lifestyle, uh, this product caters very well to that as well. So there's a lot, there's a lot of really cool like things bound to this. And, uh, and I'm pretty excited about the fact that I'm getting very close to it. Cause I've been thinking about this for, <laughs> for a long, long time. I've been wanting to launch this Kickstarter since December of 2016. So it's been six months now and I'm still three months away roughly. And, uh, I'm just getting really excited. So, um, so that's, that's really it. I've spent this whole week interacting with my supplier and my pro my prototypes, my final prototypes supposedly have shipped. They shipped on Wednesday and I, I'm kind of recording these episodes almost in, in real time, like a day or two before they're being released just because they, I want them to be more of a, a documentation of my process as I go as close to real time as possible. So, uh, you know, right now it's June 1st and, uh, I started recording this episode yesterday, which is May 31st, but, uh, it's June 1st now and I should receive my prototypes early next week, which is pretty awesome. And then I will hopefully be in a position where I can reveal the brand and start really hammering away at that email list and building up the brand name. So I'm excited for everybody who is following along to kind of be part of that and uh, to just see what it's like. And I'm excited for you know myself to be going through this for the first time and just kind of grinding through it and building this thing into so hopefully uh, something very, very successful. So we'll see. Uh, so that's been my week spending a lot of time on that, dealing with my supplier, ironing out some kinks, putting out some fires, and also thinking about a next revision of prototyping, which may or may not be before the actual launch. I'm just, you know, I'm always thinking ahead. And that's just kind of one tip. If you're not thinking ahead at any given time, then you're usually behind. So I'm always thinking forward. I'm always willing to change. I'm always willing to pivot and adjust if need be. And I think that it takes, um, it just, it takes a certain mentality to do that. I am not in love with my product at the point to the point where I'm unwilling to change things about it based on consumer feedback. Like I am willing to do whatever the market and the audience and the consumer and the customers really want uh, in order, you know, for that product to be. So, you know, I'm just 
something to think about if you're kind of going down this route as well. So uh, with that, I'm going to wrap up this episode. Thank you so much for checking it out and uh, feel free to continue to follow along. And within the next week or two, I expect to announce this brand. And I'm really excited for anyone listening to kind of be part of that. So uh, once again, with that, I'm going to wrap this up and I will talk to you in the next episode. Take care.